brew beer. But how can you make the best damn beer around? You come to the right place. We talk with home brewers, professional brewers, and experts in the community to make you a better, more informed drinker and brewer. This is the Brewers Quorum, the official podcast of the Louder Day Brewers Homebrew Club. All right, welcome to the Brewers Quorum. My name is Eric Openshaw. I'm the host of the show. I'm here with Mark Emery, who is the uh, events coordinator of the Lauderdale Brewers. Welcome. How you been, Mark? Good, good. It's been an awesome weekend. Yeah, this whole weekend has been like the most beer-filled weekend that I've probably had in like the last, oh, I don't know. like couple days, at couple least. couple days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like every day is a weekend for me. So I want to try to talk a little bit today about uh, what's coming up on the podcast. I uh, also want to try to dive in a little bit to some announcements that we got going on. First and foremost, we have an awesome, awesome, awesome interview coming up for you today. We interviewed Two Row Brewing. Mm. And... What a great interview. Those guys yeah. are awesome anyway. Yeah, um, super personable and yeah, so great stories. We're we're great friends with them because that's that's how they started out. We'll talk about like how they started out and you'll also be able to go and actually visit the entire interview. Um, we're going to post that on YouTube. Got a full video of that. But it's so interesting hearing how they went from being homebrewers to just making a huge name for themselves. I mean, uh, yeah. look at what they what just happened. They just won the uh, the bracket, the March Madness bracket on the uh, Utah Beer Blog, which I think is you know some people may not even know what that is. UtahBeerBlog.com. Uh, yeah, that's Mike, Mikey. Mikey over there. Yeah. yeah, what a great site. If you don't know about that, that's a great place to try to find out some some stuff about beer. But they won the bracket on that for March Madness and. Uh, did it for their uh, Taste Like Citrus mm-hmm. IPA, which if you yeah, which tried is a it, huge hit. They've actually yeah. I talked to Clay about that the other day. They've been selling out every within days of every time they brew it. Like they can't keep up with it right yeah. now. So, and, Mark, what are, what are we drinking today? By the way, um, today we're sipping on some of my new Honey Pale Ale. I'm pretty excited about it. It's just uh, springtime it honey, tasty. honey and malt and drinkable. It comes in about like five percent, but it's. Got a little bit of honey malt in it, mostly Turo and Did you put any Munich actual too? honey in it or is it oh, yeah. just straight? Yeah, it's, okay, got a, it's got a pound of honey in it. I've been thinking about this beer for the last year and a half and finally got around. And you said this was it. this was the one of the first ones that you've done that was a full, this is my idea, my yeah. recipe. Yeah, like I've said before, I try to usually use other people's recipes because they've, they've done all the hard work. They figured it out um, and I try to just not screw it up. Um, mm-hmm. But this one, like I said, I've been thinking about it. Like I've made other people's stuff long enough. That I was like, uh, nobody's really doing this type of flavor thing that I'm interested in. And so I finally just put some stuff on paper, um, sort of noodled around with it for a while, and then finally just made it. And I'm, I mean, I'm pretty happy with it. It's got, yeah, it's it's got Columbus, Cascade, and Centennial, which aren't necessarily popular hops anymore. You know, and that's funny because because I'm not a huge fan of Columbus, but I this is like the least offensive beer that I've had in a long time that anyone has ever put Columbus into. So that's yeah. a good thing. That's great. Yeah, yeah it's been fun. <laughs> and it's uh, I'm a little worried because I maybe brewed it a little too early. A club <laughs> meeting coming up in a, in a couple months is yeah, on yeah. Out by the end of, uh, and I'll be gone. It'll be gone by then. So I might have to rebrew for that meeting. Well, that's not too too bad. Right. Um, so we've got uh, an interview coming up today from Two Row, and it, like I said, it's it's going to be really cool. You guys get to hear a lot of kind of where they came from and a lot of kind of what's what they're up to now as well, which is pretty sweet. We're also going to be talking with Will Schmidt a little bit about a beer that him and I are making for a Mountain Brewers Fest coming up. Past that, we have a lot of stuff.
stuff coming up and a lot of really exciting events. Um, Mark, you're the events coordinator. I'm going to just turn yeah. it over to you. Yeah, What's and the next, on? just coming up real fast. Uh, I mean, nationally, it's going to be Big Brew Day for the AHA on May 6th. They're doing, they have a, their recipes out there. Everybody across the country is going to be sort of. you've brewed for a Big Brew Day before. Yeah. They're so much fun. Yeah, I mean, just getting together, everybody sort of having their own system set up, but you're all there together doing your own thing. Yeah, and, and everyone, I think, is pretty much welcome to do that, even if, I mean, yeah. you can invite people over always anyway, but, yeah. you know. Er, brewing, I mean, as I feel, is fairly communal. As much as I brew on my own, like yeah. I love being around other people <laughs> when they're brewing as well. Um, but uh, yeah, May 6th is the big official AHA Big Brew Day. We're not yeah. dealing with that completely. We're kind of doing a different thing, which I exactly. think is pretty cool. Our, our club has gotten a great opportunity to work with Fisher Brewing Company um, right here in Salt Lake, historical brewing company that just now resurfaced. Let's, let's talk about them a little yeah. bit. We're, we're going to have them on a, a future podcast, um, but really cool. So it's an old, old brewery yeah. started in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Fisher Brewing Company mm-hmm. was one of the original breweries in Salt Lake. Um Back when the city was first being founded, they yeah. were one of the largest breweries in the country at the time, uh, pre-prohibition. Um, they were around for 80 some odd years yeah. or something like that before um, they eventually ended up shutting down. But one of the ancestors of the original brewer there, um, home brewer, had some friends that were home brewers. They got together over a few beers and they were like, let's start let's up a brewery. Start a brewery yeah. um, and so they've actually, it's been really funny. The original Fisher lager that they have, they can't keep it. They, on they can't keep it on tap. <laughs> and, and it's, it's not the exact same one because malts have changed. Hops have changed yeah. over the years, but it's their approximation of what it was with yeah. modern ingredients. So tell a little bit more yeah. about what we're doing with Fisher on the 6th. So on, on May 6th, we're going to be working with them. It's a sort of a big brew event, um, but we're going to be brewing on their system. Well, they're going to be brewing on their system. We'll be there assisting, learning about what they do at the commercial scale um, but then every member that signs up for that event um, is going to go home with five gallons of wort um, one single recipe um, simple malt bill simple hop schedule um, but everybody's going to go home with this base beer um, and basically deal with it how they want from there you can dry hop it add fruit um, use belgian yeast use wild yeast use whatever you want um, but the whole idea is everybody starts with the same base thing and then can experiment from there. Now, it's not just that as a brew day that we're having that particular weekend. We're also doing a pretty big thing the next day as well right. at Bohemian. What's going on yeah, there? Yeah, that's a big weekend for Utah homebrewing because at Bohemian um, on the 7th and the 6th is uh, Lagerpalooza, which is yeah. the lager-only homebrew competition in Utah. So um, on that Sunday, because we're doing the brewing event at Fisher, we're going to be doing our own big brew event at Bohemian Brewery um, in conjunction with Lagerpalooza. So it'll be another opportunity for people to get together and brew on their systems in a public forum and just sort of pump out a bunch of stuff, be communal, and then you can hang out for the Lagerpalooza Awards after. Um, It'll just be a big event for that to brew with other people. So I know that we've been telling people to go and sign up with just Salt City Brew Supply at this point in time. That's probably the best place to go, right? Yeah, we're we're still pulling together the very specifics of what's going to happen on that day. Um, It kind of got pulled together a little bit last minute um, because the Fisher event came up. Um, But right now it's, um, I mean... Yeah, you can talk to Salt City. You can talk to us, membership leadership at the club. Um, we're still pulling together all the details, but it should be a great yeah, day. It's gonna, I mean, it's gonna just, be a lot of fun. Like I said, it's a it's a big weekend for Utah homebrewing yeah, because no lots joke. going on. So let's talk a little bit about some of the the, the stuff going on with the Lager Palooza itself. Yeah, it should be a good event. I mean, it's growing every year. Um, it's sort of just been a collaboration between Salt City Brew Supply and Bohemian Brewery. Yeah. Um, 
most home brewers, I mean, I'm one of them. I, I haven't brewed a lager yet. I haven't even tried to do a warm fermenting lager, but that's always a fun event. I mean, if, um, opportunities, I mean, they're all, they're still looking for judges. They're always looking for stewards, which sure. if, if you aren't a judge, you don't have to be a certified judge. Um, they, they take all types. Um, but if you're a little intimidated by the judging process, um, steward, I was able to steward at national homebrew competition last year. And that's one of the best experiences I've had in my homebrewing life. Yeah. One of uh, the recommendations that you had as well is if you're going to plan on doing something like that, where you're competing in the competition or not even competing in the competition, but participating in the competition, you probably don't want to be brewing the same day. Yeah. To try and hit those timetables of your brew day, um, and then worry about judging or vice versa, you're judging and you were like, oh, I need to start brewing now because I need to be able to do something later on. Yeah. It's a big weekend, um, plenty of opportunities to participate in all kinds of things with the club and in just Utah home brewing. Um, so, I mean, don't feel obligated to do it all. I mean, life gets busy. Yeah. Our um, plan this year uh, with the Lauderdale Brewers is to have lots of events so that people can participate in. Yeah, and we'll keep you up to date on yeah. those as much as possible. Uh, another big thing that's coming up that uh, I think everyone is excited for, it is the best Utah Beer Fest, which is not in Utah. Yeah, the, 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 the biggest Utah Brew Fest in Idaho Falls. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Mountain Brewers Fest is coming up on June 3rd. Um, this year, Lauderdale Brewers are going to be there again. Um, our plan right now is uh, to bring uh, uh, five beers from the club. At minimum five, we're going to try for six. Um, but uh, members are going to get together in small little pod groups, um, come up with their recipe, brew it, um, and then bring it to the event. Yeah. Um, and then... If you've never had the opportunity to pour your beer for the public. Oh, it's wonderful. It's it's so a great feeling. Fun. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to be a really fun opportunity. So collaboration between club members uh, on recipe design and brewing and fermentation um, and then serving it to the public. I mean, we share lots of homebrew with each other, um, but this is another opportunity to share it with the public. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. And well, Mark, my glass is empty. <laughs> Which, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, that means that we got to go get it refilled. Yeah. Time you for know? a break. Time for a break. We're going to be right back and uh, we'll bring you the interview from Two Row right after this. All right, we're here at Two Row today. This is a brewery that's in Midvale, Utah. Um, we're really excited about this place as the Lauderdale Brewers because of the fact that this is this is kind of spawned from the Lauderdale Brewers in, in so many different facets, and I really kind of want to get down to that. Uh, we're here today with the owner, Brian Coleman, and we're here with uh, Clay Turnbow as well, who's the head brewer here. Um, want to just kind of talk to them a little bit and see what their kind of style of brewing is and, and kind of where home brewing brought them into, into this whole professional brewing thing so guys thanks so much for joining us today thanks for having us yeah, yeah. thanks for having us so i'm gonna kind of just run through a list of questions here for you guys um first one um it's kind of really known that you guys are um you guys are both home brewers okay it's really known amongst the club that you guys started out as home brewers um also many professional brewers have um what initially got you guys into home brewing really my wife bought me a homebrew kit initially for Christmas. I also had a poker group that uh, we got together once a month, and um, some of my first tastes of homebrew was from uh, the guys in the poker club. There was a couple that uh, had some extra equipment and um, started making beers and, and bringing them to, to the poker games, and it just kind of evolved from there. The very first one was, wow, you know, I made beer. This is incredible. 
<laughs> I can't imagine that it tasted very well, though. <laughs> I think I was just so excited that uh, that I actually made beer. And then after a while, I was like, eh, I think I want to make better beer. <laughs> <laughs> So that's when the studying started and, and um, the, the equipment purchases. Cool. Clay, what's kind of been your experience? What, what got you into home brewing? So what got me into home brewing was back when I was 21 in college. Um, some, I think I was at like Bed Bath & Beyond and saw a Mr. Beer Kit and <laughs> was just blown away that I could make beer at my house. Um, and, you know, I had kind of started to develop a better taste of beer when I was 21. I was buying more like Sierra Nevada and Sam Adams and was like, wondering what else could be out there. And so I was, well, I'm, I'm going to try and do this at home. Like the scientific aspect of it was really appealing to me. So I bought the Mr. Beer kit and started doing those in the, it was actually started in the dorm room, which was probably really illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but I did, I got my own place and started started doing the Mr. Beer kits. And, and they, they were, you know, honestly, if I tasted them now, they probably wouldn't have been very good. But I was, maybe it was just like so proud of something that I'd made at home that I really enjoyed them but then I wanted to see what else I could do and the Mr. Beer kits were kind of limiting and that's when I finally went down to um, the Beer Nut down in Salt Lake City and, and got some some nicer equipment and started doing the um, the extract kits and the brew in the bag kind of deal yeah so cool so so you've gotten into a brew club you've you've been home brewing for a while Brian why did you go the direction of wine to say okay I think I want to do this professionally like what what was the turn for you you know, it, I think it was always in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it was something I wanted to do real soon after I started homebrewing. I'm very entrepreneurial. Um, I've been self-employed all my life, and I'm constantly looking for opportunities to uh, to start a business. It's one of my favorite things to do is is to to start a business from scratch. So I've I've been able to, you know, do two of my favorite things all in one shot. Uh, so to speak. Obviously, one is one is business. I love business. I love watching a business grow. I love finding problems and trying to solve problems, and and that you know, continues to help grow the business. And then adding the the beer making to the mix was was just a giant bonus. And so it it was an industry that I, I seriously had been watching for for a lot of years as as I continued to improve my homebrews, continue to improving my, um, the entire craft and, and, and the beers and my recipe list, you know, everything that goes along with that. Um, as things got better and better, I started taking classes with professional brewers. Um, you know, I, I would jump at a chance like to run down to White Labs and, and take their yeast class or, or I, I spent, uh, you know, a week with quality control class at, at Oregon State things like that where uh, I, I just wanted to make my home brew as good or better than some of the, the professional brews that are out there. And after a while, I felt that I was, you know, on on that kind of level. And uh, after min winning, you know, multiple, multiple homebrew awards, um, the first time I ever entered a, a competition was the um, National Homebrew Competition mm -hmm. um, many years ago. And, and uh, I was hoping for, you know, one third place. And just hoping, you know, just crossing my fingers, hoping. Super. Clay, kind of what's what's your experience going from home brewing to professional brewing? And, and you you went to Epic. Tell a little bit about that. Right, right. So I home brewed for probably, man, it was probably about six years um, all through college. And then um, while I was trying to figure out what I want to do for the rest of my life, I, I kind of figured, you know, I'm in my 20s. The best time to just try something new is now. So... 
I, uh, I, I kind of weighed the options of, of saving up money to try and go to like UC Davis or Oregon State and get a proper education. But I, I started talking to the local professional brewers and they kind of urged me not to spend the thousands and thousands of dollars to go to school until I knew what it was like to work in a brewery. It's quite different than home brewing. It's I mean, Huge, you're, hugely different, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I did a couple working interviews around the valley at, uh, at other breweries, um, but um, I knew a, a guy named Ryan Buxton who is still probably always going to be an honorary member of the Latter-day <laughs> yeah. Brewers, even though he lives out of state yeah, now. Yeah. Um, he was working at Epic and was in the homebrew club at the time and um, kind of suggested uh, I apply for a packaging job at, at Epic. They just yeah. an entry-level position. Um, applied for the job, got the job. Um, loved it. Loved it. Even though you're not brewing, just, just working with, with the beer and, and being working with something that you're passionate about, it was great. And, you know, Epic was great to me. And, you know, over the course of about, you know, six to six months to 10 months, I worked my way through packaging up to the cellaring program, doing filtration and transfers, cleaning tanks and all that stuff up into learning the brew house and becoming a brewer there. And, you know, I loved every minute of it, never looked back. And, decided that brewing was something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Cool. So what brought you guys together? Like what was, what was the catalyst that, that led to, to Brian, you bringing clay on? Well, I knew, uh, I knew I couldn't do everything at the brewery myself. I, I, I was literally trying to do all the brewing, mm-hmm. trying to do sales, running the front <laughs> counter, um, asking volunteers to help packaging when we, when we, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to bottle batches. Um, didn't have. Um, I had uh, one employee, Sean. Uh, he was the hardest working guy I've ever met. But I, I, I knew at some point I needed to hire a brewer. And Clay and I had been friends for, for you know, a couple years before that, through um, through the brew club. Obviously, you know, I I always thought that he um, was. Um, very very tight with Epic, and that he, you know, he, he just would never leave. So, I never did. Uh, I never did approach him uh, until I heard that he had applied at a at a different brewery, and I said, "Whoa, Clay's looking." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and you know, it, it was not long before that that I was judging the homebrew competition. I've talked about this story a few times where uh, we're at the final table, there's six judges, you know, trying to trying to determine the best beers of the entire, you know, six, seven hundred entries. There was two beers I fought tooth and nail for and I felt I felt one, you know, needed to be the number one top beer. And I felt the other should have been third place. With the second place was was a really awesome beer as well. But Sometimes that final table is just knocked down, you know, fist fights almost, not quite really, but you know, I was fighting tooth and nail for these two beers and, and I didn't know they were clays at the time. <laughs> After the fact, you know, we found out who who, yeah. uh, who those two beers were and they were phenomenal. And so I actually, it came down to a vote and uh, and I lost the vote, so he didn't get he didn't get the top beer of the entire show. But um, but you him, think he you think he should have is what I you're... think he should have absolutely <laughs> you know and and so you know to to you know that was one of the one of the things that was like wow you know Clay is a solid brewer and he knows what he's doing and I don't know if he's you know that tied to Epic or not but I am going to ask and we're going to find out. 
and uh, and that's what I did. What's been your experience here, Clay? I've I've talked to you a few times, you know, mm. in the past, where you've said this has been really cool. Tell me a little bit about it. Right, right. It's like, um, you know, coming here, the, the big draw to me to Turo, and and you know, I won't ever say a bad word about Epic. They were so good to me. I missed being such a key part of the the entire process of of the of the of the beer, like seeing it from grain to glass to the consumer enjoying it. <laughs> And, and I felt a little a step away from that at Epic. I felt like I just was brewing beer, and then I would never see that beer again and until, until it hit the customer's glass. <laughs> um, so I, I, really, I really love seeing a beer from grain to glass, and, and, and it was something that, that I saw at Turo I would get the chance to do. And not only that, I felt like I would get more input on recipe design and what direction we're going to go with the beers and Brian was very open with me that that we're going to be you know a team with these beers we're going to figure out what we want to do together and if we need to tweak recipes we'll tweak recipes and it has been that to a T you know it's been Brian lets me I come to him with an idea that hey I want to do this beer I want to do a traditional saison but then late hop it with American hops and oh yeah, I want to put yogurt in in it so that it'll be a little sour too. And Brian looks at me a little crazy and he's like, all right, <laughs> let's try it. I'm still trying to get him to come up with a name for that beer too. I told him, I said, you're going to name this beer as well, so you need to take it from start to finish. So what are the ideas off the top of your head for that beer? In terms of name. <laughs> I know, and I haven't come up with a name yet, and we need to brew it again soon for the summer. <laughs> and customers keep asking for it. They come in the bottle shop and say, oh, we make that sour beer again. I loved it. And uh, I think that was a great beer because we, uh, we soured one batch and then made another batch non-soured and then blended the two batches. Oh, cool. And um, I really enjoyed that because I don't like the beers that make me feel like I'm drinking pure acid <laughs> and uh, they're just they're just sometimes harsh so yeah. being able to blend this beer was was really cool because you could taste the the base beer and and the backbone of the beer and, and still have there was still plenty of sourness to make it very interesting so um, it's great beer and we, we definitely need to do it again so what kind of stuff you have coming up guys what kind of cool beers are you guys brewing right now that is maybe different and maybe secret? <laughs> <laughs> well, should we let out the secrets? No. <laughs> Not a big deal. Go ahead, Clay. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're, we're bringing back um, Mikey's uh, IPL, our uh, Pilsner-style beer with, um, with uh, mostly Citra hops is coming back that we had last summer. We have yeah, Mikey being the Utah beer blog guru, right, right, who runs right. that. Who, by the way, congratulations, guys, on winning the uh, the best beer in that whole entire bracket in March. Nice, uh, thank thanks. you, thanks. <laughs> we're pretty excited about that, and, yeah. and that's you know we're excited about the win, but but more importantly to us as a new brewery, we're excited about how we're looked at and our reputation in the in the marketplace. Yeah. And um, and we think we'll have a lot of growth to come because of that. Sure. So sure. So you got the Mikey's IPL, right? Yep. What else? And the label's done, and we got Mikey's big head on it. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I look at it, it just makes me smile. So it's 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 a pretty funny label. I can't wait to to get it out there yeah. and share it. Right. We we also have we we one of our favorite things to do here is, and I don't know if Brian, it drives Brian crazy is. 
looking for new hops and and asking Brian to buy new hops because we get every time we get new hops in here, it's fun to play around with IPAs because I every the local market loves IPAs and we've kind of built a reputation on making good IPAs and. Sure. Whenever we can get something new in, it's fun as a brewer. I mean, that's the best part about being a brewer, honestly, is when a new ingredient comes into the brew house and you're doing the smell test and rubbing hops all over your hands, trying to figure out how to make this into something delicious. Um, so there'll always be new IPAs coming from Turo. Um, we have a new one in the tank right now that's um, a similar grain bill to taste like citrus, bumped up to, we're, we're thinking it's gonna finish around nine and a half percent and using new hops that taste like citrus doesn't use we're going for more of like a more of like a fruity kind of taste to that one like so tropical fruity yeah mm-hmm. rather than like the the citrus pith that i think you get in uh tastes like citrus mm-hmm. so that's coming down we, we're trying to expand the barrel program for for more barrel aged imperial stout we have expanded the barrel program so the next release should be bigger and we're trying to expand it further so is there anything additionally you'd like the, the listeners to know about like what you guys are up to or or just anything else? We've always got a bunch of ideas back going back and forth, but other other than those, nothing else is is firmly planned right now. We've got we've got a lager strain in house right now. So I mean as a brewer I'm constantly knowing like when that when that strain's gonna be available for me to use again. And so I'm just running ideas through my head of, of what we could make as a lager. Mm-hmm. So the limited uh, limited release beer label that we have is is a lot of fun, and um, I think it's um, I think it's one of the the best things we've done was to be able to um, change the beers up. Uh, you know, not not doing a lot of um, low point beer, draft beer. It's difficult for us to change it up quickly, and and uh, it's nice to be able to walk in and say, ah, let's brew. You know, let's let's brew another hazy tomorrow. And as long as we've got the ingredients and and, and things, we can we can p- pretty much brew whatever we want on the fly. Um, as long as things on the label, uh, you know, there's certain conditions that we can and can't do. But um, but that really allows us to to change the beers up frequently. Um, that allows us to try new things and, and try new ideas. You know, when we when we um, when we first brewed Taste Like Citrus, it, it was something that was in the back of both of our heads for a long, long time. And we weren't sure, you know, how well that would go over here because Utah just doesn't have any access to those types of beers. Um, it's very difficult to get some of those trendy new beers from from uh, Treehouse and Trillium and, and some of the New England style breweries. So we thought, you know, what's the worst that can happen? We've got to, you know, toss it if it doesn't sell. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that first batch of that beer sold 10 times faster than anything we've ever yeah. had. And uh, oh. it was it was just a fantastic, fantastic beer. And, and you know, with that label, sometimes you, you hit a winner and sometimes it takes three months to go through a batch. Yeah. So... Um, so it's neat to be able to, to try new things and see what the market wants and see what the market um, expects from us. And, and uh, yeah. it's all judged by sales. 
Cool. Well, Brian Clay, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Two Row Brewing is out in Midvale, Utah. Um, they've got a bottle shop here, which is probably the best way to possibly come and pick up some of their beer. They've got growlers. They've also got uh, tons of bottles that of all sorts of different styles. And I think that there's probably a style for everyone in that cooler in the front room there. If you're feeling froggy you might even ask one of them and say hey can i come even just tour the brewery i think it's it's pretty much an open place here for people to come and hang out and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that to some sense wanted to thank you guys again so much um you can find some of their other beers in the state liquor stores you can also buy them at some of the different restaurants and and bars around town so thanks so much you guys thank you awesome thanks for having us thanks eric all right so we're sitting here with uh, will schmidt he is a new member of the latter-day brewers Yes. Brand new. How are you liking it so far? So far, so good. I've only been to one meeting. I just got here a month ago, so you know. One of the reasons we wanted to bring Will in is because Will and I are actually designing a beer to brew at Lagerpalooza. Let's just be honest. It's going to be the most Idaho beer It's going to be the most Idaho beer that we can possibly make. Now, I think there may be some limitations in terms of trying to get some of the ingredients that we want, but, (laughs) you know... It's it's just it's going to be fun. I think that that's that's the biggest point that we have to make. It's going to be fun. But the theme is there. That's the important yeah, part. Yeah, that's the idea. So, so what is the beer that we're about to make here? Well, we're going to make a baked potato beer. Yeah. That's the idea, right? Because, yeah, why not, right? <laughs> Sounds like a great idea to me. It's... Sounds like a great idea. This is going to be, the, let's, let's just put it this way. This is going to be one of those kinds of beers that is, let's throw stuff in and see what happens. Honestly, I've had some really good luck with it. <laughs> I've, had really, I've had some really weird uh, bet beers before where a lot of my festival beers that I've made previously in Indiana... We're all based on a bet someone gave me, usually after a couple humbers. Yeah. Um, I bet you can't make a beer like this. And I said, Challenge accepted. And then I look at this it. Is, the this is actually time. the beer that we're drinking right now came from that kind of a situation where my mom was like, can you make an elderberry beer? I'm like, challenge accepted. I wish I had my Ron Swanson so, right now. Right now we've got, we, we're drinking uh, an elderberry Kolsch that I've been nursing. I've got about uh, two glasses uh, left here, and then we've got about a bottle left at home. And that's about all I've got, which is that much fun. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, we're, we're making the most Idaho beer. We're making a baked potato beer. Let's talk about kind of the direction that we had for this. So uh, the biggest thing that we wanted to kind of establish here is we're making a beer for Lagerpalooza, which is going to be great. But Lagerpalooza is a big thing. Um, obviously, it's going to be a huge brew competition. But one of the things that they wanted us to do was actually do a uh, a really nice brew day, which kind of is is the day late um, big brew day of the year that we're going to be doing. We're doing another big brew day on Saturday as well. But one of the things that we're going to be doing here is this this particular beer and. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because it is a baked potato beer. So how are we going to accomplish a baked potato beer? Well, that's the tricky part, isn't it? So we had to think about it for a minute. And how the heck are you going to add potatoes to it? It's a really good question. Potatoes got way too much water. We brainstormed (laughs) this quite a bit. And it was kind of, how are we going to do this? And then Epiphany Potato Flakes. Yeah. Because they actually sell them. 
they you're oh, usually in camping goods stores. You, but, you can, know, well, you can you as as I found out, you can get them at the grocery store, which is perfect. <laughs> which is perfect. Where else are you We're go? gonna have Kroger brand. Oh, Kroger brand. Yeah, it's nothing the best but the kind, best. Nothing but the best. The important part though is no fat, because mm-hmm. else you're gonna have zero head retention and it's worthless. Yeah, you don't want to have any kind of butter flavoring or anything like that going yeah. on within this kind of beer. It's gonna be awful if you do because of exactly what might, you said. Might have experience in doing that with a bacon <laughs> beer. Um, do not add fat to the beer. It will have zero foam retention and it will kind of have a Great. weird haze on top. It's, it's gross. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then let's see. So, okay. So we have potatoes at the bottom. Now the problem mm-hmm. is potatoes do not have enzymes that will convert the starch to sugar. Exactly. So now what do we do? Well, okay. Two, uh, two row? Mm, mm, mm. Not so much. Doesn't have enough enzyme content. Has enough to help with other base malts, but not so much. Yeah. So let's try six row. Six row is usually what you use with wheat. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. We'll use six row. Maybe 60% or more of the grain bill will use a six row is what I would assume or guess. The potatoes are going to be really starchy and really gross when we rehydrate those. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to try to figure out how to work with those. I'm thinking rice hulls. Yeah, I think we're going to have to have some rice hulls so that we can actually make this particular (laughs) beer actually flow through the fermenter. You know, fermenter, you mean mash tun? Through the mash (laughs) tun. But it's it's really funny because like the the second that I started the the second that I started playing this out with you, I I was like, man, I feel like brew dogs. That's what (laughs) I feel like right now. Um, One of the reasons we want to do the most Idaho beer, of course, is because we're going to the Mountain Brewers Festival, and this is going to be one of the beers that we're going to take to the Mountain Brewers Festival. So if if for any reason you're going up to the Mountain Brewers Festival in Idaho Falls, then you're going to get to taste the most Idaho beer ever. It's going to be one of two things. Amazingly awesome or amazingly god awful, yeah. and and so so we're looking at we're looking at six row, we're looking at rice holes to to make it so that the mash can actually work. We're looking at flaked potatoes. We're looking at a little bit of two row to try to complement that well, a little bit. You have to have some kind of it's still a beer. You yeah, have to have you, the malt start, you gotta to have it. the malt flavor in some kind but, of capacity. And we're sourcing this from Idaho, aren't we? Mm-hmm. As much as possible. Yeah. So that's the cool part. I think that we're actually getting our barley from that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, potatoes. According to the box from Kroger, it says they're all Idaho potato flakes. So, you know, we're going to go ahead and take that at face value and assume that's true. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, but, as much as possible. The hop-wise, that's the hard part, isn't it? So, yeah, hop-wise, we wanted to try to go as neutral as possible, I think, so that we can kind of let the rest of the beer do its thing. And then we got some surprises coming up in just a second. But uh, we've got Mount Hood as our as our main boil edition, right? It's, for, it's a real basic... Yeah. Very simple, bittery and hop. It won't leave an aggressive finish in your tongue, which is nice. And it just has a little bit of a bite, and then it kind of a little grassy flavor, which you're going to want for the additions mm-hmm. we're going to talk about in a moment. Um, and should be a nice, simple yeah. hop that we'll add to this beer. Yeah, and we were we were seeing if, and, and I've got some contacts who might be able to get us some last-minute uh, Idaho 7 hops, which may work. They're going to be really fruity, I think. I'm yeah, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, so we may end up scrapping that for the for the sake of, of just keeping with the Mount Hood and maybe trying to supplement that with a couple of other hops that we'll try to figure out as we go. Uh, one of the big things that we wanted to try to do is since we're doing this particular beer the way that we're doing it, um, we want some smokiness. We want some of that, that kind of bacon flavor and that kind of cheddar flavor without necessarily doing... The, the bacon additions or like let's let's I don't know throw some cheese in like that sounds like a terrible idea well actually it sounds awesome because beer and cheese is fantastic <laughs> but ignoring that aspect of it from my experience so I did make a bacon beer 
last year as part of my bet, which came out phenomenal. And what I learned is that bacon, if you make a tincture with it, doesn't actually add that much smoky flavor <laughs> or pork flavor. It just kind of tastes like smoked salt, um, which was kind of gross. So I wouldn't <laughs> recommend that. Um, but smoked malt, so I used uh, beech wood and a little bit of a hickory smoke. Yeah. If, I think for the bacon flavor. But I think for this one, we want to go a softer because like yeah. cheddar is a very mild. It's a mild smokiness. Smokiness to it. Yeah. So I'm thinking, if not, maybe do. Uh, what maybe like I, you know smoked peat? malt is probably what it, i was kind of thinking and then some like me peat moss maybe Just a little bit of peat. yeah peat smoke is i've used it before it's really powerful mm-hmm. in the amount and, that you and use. just a teeny bit might might get us where we need to be. Yeah, I think, but definitely beechwood though, because beechwood's really neutral. One of the things that we also talked about is trying to get the the lactic acid. Oh specifically, yeah, specifically uh, for the for the sour cream, right? Well, you have to have sour cream. I mean, it, like, it's <laughs> right there. It's like, come on, guys. So we're gonna put a little bit of lactic acid, and we're gonna put a little bit of lactose in to try to not only simulate the sour cream, but also butter. a little bit of the butter and, the and a little bit of the cheese, right? So yeah, lactose makes perfect sense. It adds a lot of that body to it because you're not gonna get any body from your starch from the potatoes. So if you get a good conversion there, assuming we do, we're gonna end up with a really dry beer. Yeah, which exactly. Is kind of. <laughs> so we need to have some kind of body. Lactose is going to guarantee that, no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Maybe, <laughs> hopefully, and, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, the way we're thinking about this is going to work. That's the fun part about home brewing, and that's the the fun part about what we're trying to do is try to make a beer that is different but still works. After about two beers, it sounds like a great idea. Hopefully, it works out well. We'll find out the day we break it. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. All right, so that's kind of the the story of how we came up with that. We're gonna we're gonna make this. We're gonna we're gonna do it. Um, if you guys want to join us at Lagerpalooza and help us make this weird beer, oh, I'm gonna call it a weird beer. But there's more though. You're forgetting about oh, the chives. Yeah. There's a fun part at the end, right? Yeah, we got a dry hop. We're With doing ch- a chive dry hop. Cause why not? Cause why not? <laughs> So it's we're not we're not idea. dry hopping, we're dry chiving. <laughs> we're dry chiving, right. Because you have to have a little bit, like, that's how you make it fancy on the baked potato. You got a little bit of green color yeah, to it. Yeah, you got to have some kind of green to it or else so, it's not going to be. I mean, we we thought about adding caviar, but that seemed like a terrible idea. That seemed, yeah, that was a very dry hopping caviar. Well, it's kind of like wet hopping caviar. Yeah, we're not going to go there. So <laughs> we're not even going to go there. That's a bad idea. <laughs> but I, I do think that a little bit of a, a chive, because if you think about it, what is a green onion? Green onion is very grassy. Yeah. So a hop and, normally and is grassy. Going to be really nice because the chive is not going to add that much oniony sort of taste to it. I mean, we don't want to go even for a CTZ kind of uh, taste to oh, it. We no. want to we want to try to stay as far away from that as possible. So dry hop with a little bit of chive, get a little bit of onion taste in there. Hopefully, hopefully more grass work. Yeah, we really want the grass flavor to come through because mm-hmm. really that's what you think. When I think chive, I think a very mild hint of onion, but definitely more of a grass flavor, exactly. which just kind of cleans your palate a little bit. Yeah. So hopefully, the final finish of the beer will at least. It, have that aroma of the chive yeah. and the finish will still be like hmm I just might have eaten a baked potato but I don't really know what just happened <laughs> well join us we're going to ha- be hanging out at Lagerpalooza so if you guys find us we're going to be making this weird beer we're going to be wearing mad scientist jackets I'm sure because I mean that that it, seems yeah. feasible like, to the entire thing might spike we'll steal some um, it's going to be great so come and hang out with us at Lagerpalooza I know Mark is also doing a big brew day at Lagerpalooza as well hang out with both of us uh, find out what we're all doing and we're going to be taking all those to uh, Mountain uh, Brewers Fest, which is going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, uh, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, This has been the Lauderdale Brewers Podcast, of course, the Brewers Quorum. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) 
The Brewers Quorum is the official podcast of the Latter-day Brewers, Utah's premier homebrew club. Visit latterdaybrewers.org for more info or to join. Today's episode was produced by Eric Openshaw and ESO Audio Arts. Music by Eric Openshaw. Special thanks to Salt City Homebrew Supply. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody.